Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. But you need to be fed. Amen. Yes. That's what you come to church for, to be fed. Everybody say, fed the Word. Glory to God. Make a decision to eat. Amen. Psalms 110 this morning, we're continuing to look at restored power, dominion, and authority. And this morning, I'm going to look at it or come at it from the angle of financial, restored dominion, power, and authority. We're going to look at a principle here. I proved this out over the years in traveling seen it done several times, did it myself many times, whether a congregation of 20 to 2 or 3,000, 4 or 5,000 people really didn't matter. If I were to say the predominant miracle that people need in their life many times is not physical but financial. I've done it before. I've said, how many need a physical miracle? And you'd get a few hands raised up. And then I'd say, how many have a, if you needed a miracle, it'd be financial and it'd be almost the whole church would say, we need a financial miracle. Well, you know, that's not the will of God, church. That's, that's not the will of God. I don't know, after all the teaching we had in the, in, the, in, the, in the 90s, especially, you know, some of it was erroneous, some of it was uh, 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 toxic, but a lot of it was good, a lot of it was good. amen? Uh, especially the, one, the stuff that I adhered to uh, was good. God, uh, we talked about assignments earlier. God gave me an assignment for 18 years, and we traveled all over the world, and Preached in churches and helped churches and did crusades and preached in Bible schools and did all kinds. And that cost millions of dollars. And by the time the 18 years was up, we didn't owe anybody a penny. People say, well, do you have millions of dollars? No, I got millions of dollars going through the bank. I I I figure if it's sitting there dormant, it ain't doing anybody any good. Amen. Uh, But, you know, uh, needing a financial miracle, uh, especially if you continually uh, live under the bondage of poverty. Poverty is not of God. I ought to get a better amen than that. Poverty is not of God. This whole world is just saturated with poverty. God put a full provision for everybody on the planet. I remember back in the 90s listening to a guy teach. He was teaching on prosperity. and Somebody had run the numbers back then. Of the Back then I think it was 6.5 billion. I think we're up to 8 billion people now. But back then it was some 6.5 billion people on the earth. And at that time, if all the wealth of the earth was distributed among the 6.5 billion people, that every person on the planet it would have two and a half million dollars. That shows that God put a full provision in the earth for every person to have abundance and no lack. Are you with me? Well, what happened was is the devil got a hold of that system. Man sold out to Satan. Satan became the God of this world. And I want you to know his system doesn't work. It does not work. And when you understand how much it does not work, listen, we live right now under the most incredible false sense of security. Let me say that again. We live under an incredible false sense of security. I'm not here to preach doom and gloom. I'm not here to preach doubt and unbelief. But I I tell you, if you don't learn how to prosper by the word of God, you're going to be in trouble. I said, you're going to be in trouble. You better listen to what I'm telling you. You better learn to tithe. You better learn to offer. You better find a place with a purpose in it, giving to missions, going to the world, doing the work of the kingdom financially. 
I mentioned this at the end of the last service. Uh, Brother Don Redmond was here. I remember Sister Redmond brought her son, Brother Don Redmond, and he's involved in a lot of the uh, in finances and, and all that type of thing. And he was talking to me and two or three of the other pastors that were here during our conference, and he said something that really, really was alarming. Uh, but, you know, I didn't doubt it. I, I figured, well, that's about right. That's about the way it goes. But he was talking about the, uh, uh, the turmoil they had over in Greece and Spain. Remember here a few months back, both Greece and Spain just basically went into anarchy. Now, if you look, if you listen to the, to, you know, the pundits on TV, you really don't understand. You don't have a clear understanding of why. Okay, why? Why did they go into anarchy? What, was, what happened in their economy uh, that was so uh, devastating that caused them to riot in the streets for weeks. Well, what it was is you have the gross national product of a nation. They call it the GNP. That's what a nation can produce. This is very general what I'm telling you, but it's, it's basically what a nation produces. Then you have a, the debt of a nation, how indebted a nation is. And both of those nations, <coughs> excuse me, both of those nations, when their debt got to 75% of their GNP, they fell into anarchy because 75% of their GNP, gross national product of their nation, was absorbed because of the debt of the nation. So then he said this. He said, what do you think America's proportion of gross national product to debt is? I said, I don't know. He said, it's 104%. He said, why are we in anarchy? Now, here's why America is not in anarchy. Because every nation in the world, whether you're Sweden, whether you're the Philippine Islands, whether you're China, whether you're England, whether you're Mexico, whether you're Canada, it does not matter what nation you are. You must have American dollars to buy oil. Did you realize that? And right now, in the United Nations, they are fighting and debating and going back and forth, doing everything they can do to tear that down and destroy that. And I want you to know, this is what he said. He said, the day that you don't have to have American dollars to buy oil is going to be a dark day in this nation. You better be ready. And I, I, I heard the Lord talking to me. Amen. Well, we need to understand these things. This is the hour that we live in. The Bible says men's heart will fail them for fear of things that are coming upon the earth. But here's the good news. We're on the winning team. Here's the good news. Your dollar could be worth nothing in the morning, but God will not fail you. Your resource could go away, but your source never will. And so we've got to begin to dig in and begin to see and recognize our restored dominion, authority, and power in the financial realm because God has never, ever forsaken his people. He's not a God of just enough. He is the God of more than enough. He is a God of excess. He didn't put just one star out there, two stars out there. He painted the skies with stars, and stars are still being created. God wants to bless his people, especially now. And we've got to yield to him and allow him to do it. Now, Psalms 110, before we get into that part, let's look at this part. Our restored dominion, power, and authority. We know that man gave it away in the fall. It was a spiritual event. God told uh, Adam... The day you eat of the fruit thereof, you shall surely die. He didn't fall over dead that day. But a process began in the spirit world in which the God of this world, which is Satan or Lucifer, he took over the cosmos, the world's system. It's corrupt. It does not work. Are you with me? Amen. Now notice all the people that are in poverty, all the people that are in bondage. Look at the greed that people have. That's all a part of that world system. So God restored that where? 
in the spirit realm. When Jesus rose from the dead, he spoiled principalities, powers, made a show of them openly, and God restored lost dominion, power, and authority. Are you with me? And if we understand that, if we walk in that, then we walk as overcomers. But if we don't understand it, if we don't walk in it, then we walk defeated. We walk what we termed as walking below our rights and privileges in Christ. We do not want to do that. We want to be the generation that rises up and explores the full potential of what it means to be in Christ. The full potential physically, the full potential spiritually, the full potential mentally, the full potential financially, the full potential in our families, our businesses, our jobs. We want to discover the full potential of what it means for him to be the vine and for us to be the branch. The vine produces the branch. The branch produces the fruit. Oh, I should have got a better amen than that. So here's the principle right here. Psalms 110, David writing, the Lord said unto my Lord, interesting. What are you talking about, David? There's one God. There's Jehovah. No, he had a messianic revelation. He understood Messiah will come. He is my Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. That process is going on right now. It happened in Christ. God made his enemies his footstool when Jesus rose from the dead, sat at his right hand. Now, we're in the process of enforcing this in our lives as individuals, in our families, and as a church. We are enforcing this. Are you with me? So, sit thou at thy right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of strength out of Zion. I love this. Rule thou. Rule thou. Everybody say rule. Rule Rule thou. Take the preeminence. Dominate. Take the authority where? In the midst of your enemies. In the midst of sickness, be healthy. In the midst of poverty and lack, be prosperous. In the midst of depression and addiction and all kinds of problems, be full of the joy of the Lord. Rule in the midst. God didn't say, I'm going to come and remove all your enemies. He said, I'm going to empower you to rule in the midst of them. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing. Do we have any willing people? Any willing people, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. This is the day of his power. I said, this is the day of his power. We are willing people. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauty of the holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now all of this he's speaking about Jesus. But now you get down in verse 5 and he's speaking about you. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings. Everybody say kings. Now who is that? That is you. I studied in Revelation last night, the book of Revelation last night, where it says in the book of Revelation that we are kings, everybody say kings, and priests. We are a royal priesthood. We are a chosen generation. We are a peculiar people. And if he's going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, then somebody is going to have to reign as a king. Now, how does a king reign? A king reigns through decree. 
You must begin a life of declaration, a life of decreeing constantly the Word of God. You say, Pastor, you go right back to it every time, right back to our words, right back to our confession, right back to the place where we've got to say something. Exactly. We are made in the likeness and image of God. He is a God of His Word. We must be people of of our Word, but it must be His Word that becomes our Word. We reign, we rule, we make a decree. I'm not going to be sick, bless God. I'm going to rise up above the flu season. I'm going to rise up above the allergy season. By his stripes, I am a king. I am making a decree of health in Jesus' name. We're going to talk about prosperity. You need to rise up. You need to begin to say, Father, I thank you. I am the rich of God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You supply all of my needs. I give. It comes back to me. Good measure. Press down. Shake it. You need to begin to decree your prosperity. Now, I know some people, some people have messed up the water when it comes to this. But we're not going to mess it up. We're going to stick with the Word of God. Now, go to Genesis real quick. Go all the way to Genesis. We know that God created the earth, Genesis chapter 2, God created the earth, put man down in the earth. Verse 7 of Genesis chapter 2. I was thinking about this earlier. I mentioned the first service. I thought it was pretty neat. How many would like to have the moon? Anybody want the moon? And you get it if you get to, you know, they send you there. Now, I don't want to go to the moon, and I don't really want the moon. You say, why? Ain't nothing there. Ain't no beach. No water. There's no marsh. There's no mountains. Amen. There, there's not a, you know, there's, there, there's not a nymphus. I mean, what nymphus is. There's not even a donut palace. Amen. There ain't nothing on the moon. You say, well, God, because God didn't put anybody on the moon. So there's nothing there. I, I thought it was amazing. Uh, this guy, it's been several years ago, but about every year around Valentine's Day, he, he runs his ads on the radio and TV, buy a star. Buy a star. Has anybody bought a star? You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> that's pretty cool. You know, I think they're what, $45? How much are they, Matt? $45? <laughs> you know, and I know it's a romantic thing to do, buy your sweetheart a star. And all that. But in reality, what have you got? So, you know, I, I, I own, uh, you know, I own Alpha Centauri or something like that. Well, big woo. You know, somebody, I guarantee you buy enough star. Let, let me just help you with this world system. You buy enough stars, somebody's going to tax it. That's why I hadn't bought any stars, amen. But you've got to understand, God made man and gave him a full provision. Not just enough, more than enough. Now notice verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, gave him an earth suit, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Everybody say living soul. And God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground God made, out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, he put what? Every good tree. No bad trees. We got some bad trees today. How many know we got some bad trees? That's those buds that you get, you know, down on the corner. They come off bad trees. Don't smoke those buds, amen? 
That white powder you buy, it comes off bad trees. Everybody say bad trees. No, God didn't give us bad trees. He gave us good trees. Had fruit, had provision, had ability, had all that stuff in it. Now listen, he gave them, another, how many trees do you think that was? Two? Here's a pecan tree and a peach tree. No, there was all kinds of trees. One man, thousands of trees. One man, thousands of trees. One man, thousands of trees. Now notice this, notice this. It says, and a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from, this is, from thence it was parted and became, and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison, that is, which compasses the whole land of Halava, where there is, everybody say it with me, gold. Now, now gold? Now, first of all, there's no commerce. There's no dollars. There's no, there's no yen. There's no, uh, there's no euros. But God wants his man to know there is provision beyond just what you can see. I'm going to show you some provision. Oh, you should have got a revelation. I'm going to show you something. Let's walk by the river. Come on, Adam. Let's walk by the river. So they're walking by the river. Now, and, and I can see the God kick a stone and say, see that? That ain't nothing. Kick another. That, 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 that's just a river rock. Yeah, that, that's just now that. But now look at this. Reach down and pick it up. So now look at this. Knock the dirt stuff over. Maybe wash it in the river a little bit. So now look at this. Now this is rare. This is precious. precious. This is valuable. This is called gold. I made it. I made it. And I gave it to you. I gave it to you. Now where I live, up in this city called heaven, well, I paved my streets with it. It's pure. See, pure gold. Does anybody know what pure gold looks like? It's crystal clear. It's crystal clear. See, we, our gold is contaminated by all these different minerals and things like that. That's why it takes the color of gold. But up in heaven, there's no impurities in the gold. It's crystal clear because everything in heaven is designed to reflect and refract the light of God who's Jesus. In the city where the lamb is the light. Oh, I, we don't want to go there right now. You'd be shouting all afternoon. Amen. So he takes him down and he says, now this is gold. Now, this is valuable. This is, this is not like iron. It's not like tin. It's not like aluminum. This is gold. This is valuable. This is precious. Notice this also. He tells him. He walks a little further. He keeps kicking the rocks around. And it says, and there the land of the, the land, and the gold of that land there is good. And then he said he showed him the bedlam. And the onyx stone, one translation says that onyx may be pearl, but precious stones. Everybody say precious stones. So he's picking up rare and precious stones and maybe a pearl over here and saying, now look, these are just rocks. But this, he's showing him what wealth is. Man did not know what wealth is, but he's saying, I put you on this planet. I gave you dominion. I gave you power. I gave you authority. And I've given you wealth with that dominion, with that power, with that authority. You can know what that wealth is. You can walk up and down this river and gather all the wealth of this river. Because you know the difference between a rock and a chunk of gold or a rock and a diamond or an emerald or a sapphire. Are you with me? And then man sinned. We know man sinned. That sin had an effect in the unseen realm. 
God said the day you eat of the fruit thereof, you shall surely die. When we studied our redemption, we understand that that word means separated. So God separated. Man separated. Sin stood in the middle. There was no umpire. There was no go-between. And man was in a mess. And the generation from Adam till Noah, everybody say Noah, which Noah had to have provision to build an ark. It didn't just appear. So he had to have provision. God had to bless him. But then God said, I've got to destroy all of this because it is so corrupt. And then out of Noah, God began the process of redemption. Now, go real quick. You're there in Genesis, so let's just go to Genesis 13. God began this redemptive process, so he looked for a man. I don't know if he was speaking to a lot of people and they weren't responding, or if he only spoke to one man. We'll find out when we get to heaven. But one man responded. And his name was Abram. We know he became Abraham. The Bible says he was called the father of many nations. Everybody say many nations. Now God called him out of the land in which he lived. He called him out of his family. And he called him to go in and possess a place that God would have for him. Now in so doing, he began to cooperate with the plan and the will of God. Remember the system has fallen. The system is broken. Man has lost his dominion, his authority and power. But God found a man in Abraham. And Abraham was willing to cut a blood covenant with God. But now notice this, Genesis 13. Did I say 13? It says in Abraham, verse 1, Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot went with him into the south. Now notice this, and Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Now people say, well, God wants you rich, but that's spiritually. Well, try to pay your light bill spiritually. Try to go, 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 go up and say, here, I'm going to give you John 3. I wrote down John 3.16 on a piece of paper. Can I pay my light bill with this? You know what they're going to say? You're going to have to bring us some money. You're going to have to bring us some what? You're going to have to bring us some cattle or some silver or some gold. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're going to have to bring us something valuable, something worth something. So Abraham begins to cooperate with God. And then out of Abraham, God raises up a family. We know that Abraham bore Isaac. Isaac bore Jacob. Out of Jacob, Joseph was sent into Egypt to make a way so that when, when Joseph came out of, uh, excuse me, when Jacob came out, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, when he came out because a famine was on the land, he came out to Egypt. Egypt, there was provision there because God had sent Joseph before him and God had blessed him. Then all of a sudden, Israel spent what? 400 years. And the Pharaoh that had given uh, Israel's favor had died and the Egyptian people saw Israel as a threat and took and turned them in the slaves. Took all of their blessing. Took all of their prosperity and turned them into slaves. But then God, everybody say, then God. But then God raised, raised up a redeemer. Raised up a deliverer. His name was Moses. And God used Moses to judge all of the demon gods of Egypt and to bring his people out of Egypt so that they would not have to suffer in bondage so that they could go and go into a land the Bible says flowed with milk and honey so they could become the nation that could perpetuate the family and the name so that Christ the Redeemer could come forward. Are we up on our Bible history? So now look at this real quick. Let me find it. Go to Exodus chapter 11 real quick. We're just looking at a couple of verses. Exodus chapter 11. Genesis, Exodus. So it comes time. All of these plagues have happened. Uh, uh, Moses is delivering the people of Israel. Uh, Israel. 
uh, 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 Pharaoh's heart, which was hardened, is being softened by God. It says, verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward he will let you go, hence. And we, when he shall let you go, you shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Now notice this, verse 2. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow. That's not a good translation. King James did not translate that word good. Actually, a better translation of the word borrow is the word solicit. That carries more of the reality of what took place. Because they didn't give it back. Borrow means you're going to give it back. I used to ask my dad to borrow $10. He's still waiting on it, $10. Amen. No. Let every man solicit of his neighbor and every, other, uh, and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of goat. Look at verse, the first part of verse 3. And the Lord God gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. That means they walked into their houses and looked around and said, Hey, that's a nice Rolex. Is that a presidential Rolex? Yeah. That's, I don't have a Rolex. I got an Omega. Uh, is, that, got, is that diamonds in that Rolex? Yeah. Can I have it? God just took it off. So yeah, here. That's a beautiful necklace. Is that a ruby in that necklace? Is that gold? Yeah. Can I have it? He said, ask. That's what they were doing. They were asking, can I have that gold necklace? Can I have that ruby? Can I have that diamond? Can I have that sapphire? Hey, those, all that silver up there, can I have all that silver? And they were giving it to them. Now, they weren't stealing. God's not a thief. Egypt was paying its bill. I said Egypt was paying its bill for 400 years of slavery that it had put upon Israel. God will not let his people suffer. It was payday. And in one day's time was the great, well, the second greatest wealth transfer that ever took place. Now stay with me real close. This is a little deep, a little meaty. You say, what do you mean? It was the second greatest, not the first greatest. We're going to look at the first greatest in a minute. The second greatest transfer was material to material. You say, what do you mean? They got material. You say, oh, I wish I could have that. No, 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 stay with me. They got the gold. They got the silver. They got the rubies. Rich was what they had. Material, everybody say material. To material. Rich is what they had. They possessed. Notice when they begin to go in and possess the promised land some 40 years later after all the foolishness of what they did in the wilderness, they went in and they began to take cities. Now the first city, Jericho, that was the tithe. The guy that touched it, they stoned his whole family to death. I'd pay my tithes if I was you. Some people wonder why they don't prosper. Well, if you ain't got sense enough to pay tithes, that's why you don't prosper. We'll show you how these things all fit. But then they'd go to city after city after city, and the Lord would say, kill them all, kill them all. Take their cattle, take their gold, take their silver, take their jewels, take their men servants, take their man servants, tithe, offer on it, keep the rest for yourself. And they built a nation doing that. They built a nation doing that. And now, today, we look at material. Everybody say material. And we think in our minds, rich is what we have. Let me tell you something, folks. There are people out there that have millions of dollars. There are people out there with billions of dollars that still have poverty mentality. 
The world system has worked for them. They understand. Here's how the world system works. It works through intimidation. It works through manipulation. It works through control. You go study the big business heads of many corporations, and they got to that place how? By intimidation, manipulation, and control. That's why they got this world's goods. They've gotten material. Everybody say material. To material. Now, stay with me real quick. Go, if you will, to 2 Corinthians now. Go to 2 Corinthians. Ah, first, before you go, go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8. We've got to look at Deuteronomy 8. Then we'll go to 2 Corinthians. Deuteronomy 8. Now, this is a familiar portion of Scripture. Listen to what God says. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. It says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Why? That he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. Now listen, God said, here is my word, the word of my covenant. I'm going to give you power to get wealth why? So that I can establish my covenant. Do you see that? You ought to mark that scripture in your Bible. So the word power means ability in all areas. I'm going to give you insights. I'm going to give you concepts. I'm going to give you ideas. I'm going to give you supernatural ability. I'm going to, be, I'm going to give you power. And I want you to know the Jewish nation to this day is still blessed by God to inherit power to receive power power to get wealth. I heard on the radio, uh, I heard this guy was talking and he wanted to meet a particular rabbi up in New York City. I heard this about 1994-95. It was amazing. It was an was a, 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 a interview with this guy. He was, a, he was Jewish. He was from New York. He lives in Israel now. And there was this certain rabbi and apparently the Spirit of the Lord, and I don't understand all the dispensations, how God does things, but God knows how to deal with his own people. Amen. I mean, we're the children of God. They're the servants. They're the children of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God's going to deal with them however you want. But somehow, someway, this, 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 this rabbi was anointed and was prophesying over people. And this guy went to him, and he came up, and he said, this rabbi laid his hands on him and prophesied and said, you'll go down to South America. You'll find gold. When the gold runs out, you'll find diamonds. So he bought a piece of property down in South America. And he said this, he said, now we found a gold mine down there. We bought actually three gold mines. One in particular, we found a vein of gold. They had taken close to 200 million ounces of gold out of that mine. He said, the mine is running out, but my geologists are telling me as we get down to the bottom of this, they're finding all the indications that are telling us that there's diamonds under there. Now, this man said, all of my gold, I have not held it to myself. I've kept a portion of it, but I sent the rest of it to Israel. So he was talking about funding different projects in Israel. See, God, they still believe this. What's, what's our problem? He said, you shall remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that you may establish the covenant which he has sworn unto thy fathers this day. He said, I'm going to give you not, not the full package, 
not the full package of redemption when I totally restore dominion, power, and authority, but I'm going to give you a word and a covenant that with that, you can be blessed above everybody on the earth. Uh-oh. Now go to 2 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. How many interested in the blessings of God? How many think God wants you to have more than you got? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look there in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you through his poverty might be rich. Everybody say rich. Listen to it in the Amplified. For you, becoming, for you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, His kindness, His gracious generosity, His undeserved favor and spiritual blessing in that though He was so very rich, yet for your sakes He became so very poor in order that by His poverty you might become enriched and abundantly supplied. Now listen. There was no umpire. There was no go-between. As one of the prophets said, there was no one to stand with his hand upon God and his hand upon me. I was in poverty. I had lack. I had nothing. Then came Jesus, the Redeemer. And he not only died for me and broke the power of Satan off of me, not only did he take his blood and wash me whiter than snow, no, not only did he give me the new birth, not only did he do all of that, but he took everything about who I was so that I might become everything that he is. And so a wealth transfer took place. God said, I'm going to send Jesus. He is rich beyond the imagination of any human. He will relinquish his riches. He will take your poverty. He will destroy it so that you through him might be made rich. Not that you will have riches. But that rich will be who you are instead of riches being what you have. So God said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you rich because you can have everything on the planet and still be poor. But if I make you rich, then everything that I give you, you'll know how to use it. You'll know how to take care of it. You'll be able to plant it, grow it, and you'll give it away because you know who the source of it is. Now, stay with me. How's my time? Oh, man. Y'all going to let me finish? All right. Go to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews 8 real quick. And we'll finish it. Hebrews 8. Verse 6. But now. Everybody say, but now. Remember Old Testament written for you. New Testament written to you. But now means when? But now means when? But now hath he, who is he? Say his name. Say it again. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much more also he is the mediator of a better covenant 
which is established on better. Oh, my goodness. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, now, look, if my wealth transfer was material to material, this world system would eat it up. It'd destroy it. It'd mess it up, and you'd try to put your hands on it and hang on to it with everything you have. I'll let you think about that just for a moment and think about the people who have that covenant. They try to hang on to it with everything they have. Many of, many of the generations of those big Jewish families live on inheritances that are passed down from generation to generation to generation, to generation and you never touch the principle of that thing. No, no, you never touch it. But God said, now listen, listen, that was, that was a wealth transfer under the old but under the new covenant. Oh, under the new covenant. It doesn't have to be manipulation. It doesn't have to be intimidation. It doesn't have to be control. You don't have to hoard. You don't have to do that. I'm going to make you rich. So now, boom, rich becomes not what you have. Rich becomes who you are. Then God says, I give you what? I've given you riches. Now I'm giving you a covenant. A better covenant based on better promises. What is a covenant? It's a two-way street. It works both ways. There is the secure of the covenant. There are those that are involved in the covenant. So you see yourself in the covenant of one that is a beneficiary of that which Christ has done. So you listen very carefully to his words because he's going to tell you how the covenant works. He says, what, what? How does it work? I know I'm rich, but I got to pay the light bill. I know I'm rich, but I'd like a nicer car. I know I'm rich, but I know you've got a better house for me, Lord. I know I'm rich, but I want to send my kids to college. I know I'm rich, but I want to go on a vacation. I've never done it before. I know I'm rich. So listen to the words of what? The one who is in covenant with God in which we're in on that covenant. He says, give. You hear, give. Then he says, it'll come back to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. And then who you are begins to become what you have. Now the material begins to come towards you. Oh, come on, church. You see, some of you, you're, you're, you're looking in the wrong realm. You're looking in the natural realm. You're not looking in the spirit realm. Give. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts chapter uh, 20. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, you are more blessed when you give. You're empowered when you give. What's he doing? He's looking at the covenant. He's looking at who you are, not what you have. He's saying, now I've restored dominion, power, and authority. You've got a better covenant based on better promises. Rich is not what you have. Rich is who you are, but you can have riches. If you will obey the covenant, tithing, offering, giving, building churches, doing missions, going on the internet, everything that we're doing, believing God, stretching out. You say, God, I give you my resource. I take your word and I add it to it. I walk within the confines of my covenant. What I am will become what I have in Jesus' name. And then you, how do you do it? You reign as a king. Some of you haven't got this yet. You need to get it. Start saying. Some of you have never taken your family on a vacation. You need right now to begin to say, this summer, for the first time in our lives, our family's going on a vacation. We're going to have the money. We're going to go buy cash. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pay. We're not going to go on the credit card. We're going to sow some money into the building program. We're going to sow some money into somebody going on a mission trip. But we're going to do whatever God says, and we're going to go on a vacation. Some of you have been on welfare. You've lived in poverty. That is not the will of God. It is not the will of God. You've been section eight. You've been brown checks in the mail your whole life. 
That is bondage. You're living way below your rights and privileges. You're living way below that. Come out of it. You say what? If you got to walk the parking lots of Galveston Island to get enough change to put in the offering, you get it and you put it in there and you say, God, this is my seed. I am the rich of God. And I refuse to live by the government and by the world system. Pick up cans on the street. Go get you any kind of job. Get some material in your hand that you can buy faith. Give to God and break the bondage of poverty over your life. Because it's already been broken in the spirit realm. I'd work at Burger King. I'd work at McDonald's. I'd pick up cans. I'd do anything I could do to what? To get seed. He says, I give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. If you can get some green dollar bills in your hand, you can take the word of God and add it to it. You can tithe and offer off of that. And God said, now you're acting within the confines of who you are in covenant with me. Because I broke the dominion, the power, and the authority of poverty over your life. And if you will just do it. If you'll just do it. See, we've been distracted. The devil, well, yeah, this preacher's got this and this preacher. Forget about all the preachers that's got this and that. I've seen it abused. It'll continue to be abused. They're abusing it right now, church. I'm not. I'm not. I'm living by it. Lee and I, our whole lives have lived by this principle and by faith. We've seen millions of dollars come to us. We've seen them go out, and it comes, and it goes, and it comes, and it goes, and it comes, and we pull off that which we need, and we believe God for the supernatural, and he gives it to us, and it's amazing. You say, are you rich? Absolutely, without question, I'm rich, and I'd say that today if I didn't have a dime in the bank. But I've got more than a dime in the bank. You've got to make a decision. Are you going to continue to live under that bondage? When provided for you? What if we wake up in the morning and the UN has decided we don't need your dollars no more? And they're using it to burn trash with. You say, I don't believe that can happen. I've been in nations where their money is worth nothing. You go to Haiti, their money's worth zero. They just use it as a way of exchange so that people can actually get things, but there's no, there's, no, there's, no, uh, uh, there's no value to their money whatsoever. No value whatsoever. What are you going to do when that happens to the American dollar? It's not if. There's not an if there, folks. It's when. And they can lure us. It's almost like feeding us narcotics. The news, CNN, ABC, NBC, all of that. It's going to be okay. We can do this. We can bail out. We can do this. We can print more. We can do... Folks, you can't do it. You can't do it. There comes an end to the world system. There comes an end to it. Listen, when we leave, in the midst of all of this financial turmoil, darkness in the financial realm comes, but then there's a light. And people look and say, what is that light? Where are those people? How are they doing that? How are, they, how are they expanding? How are they building buildings? How are they, how are they helping orphans? How are they buying shoes? How are they doing that? They will come and they will see what the Lord is doing for the church financially. Amen? But then when the church leaves, we're the ones that are truly... When we leave, then that leaves the void. And who comes in? The Antichrist system, which is a financial takeover, not a military takeover, He's not building a physical army. He's coming up with a financial scheme in which he will say, peace, peace. And the Bible says, sudden destruction will come upon them. So in all my 
experience with money over the past 30 years. The volumes of my budget are not based on what's coming in. It's based on, I was writing in my journal this morning, my giving, 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 my scriptures, giving, giving, cooperating with the kingdom, cooperating with God, giving, giving, giving this this month, giving this, planning on giving this, already got an offering, already got one offering ready, everybody say one offering, already got one offering ready for the Christmas banquet, looking for another one, got another, got my faith out for another, giving, giving, give, it shall come back to you, good man, I hear my covenant, Give. It'll come back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Running over. You're more blessed when you give than when you receive. He who was so very rich came and took my poverty so that through him I might have an abundant supply. Ooh, I just meditate. I think about it. I roll that over and over in my spirit. So it doesn't bother me when I hear these things on the news. Well, it doesn't bother me when I hear that kind of stuff. So you've got to begin to prepare yourself now. This is a warning message this morning. Prepare yourself now. Get some money into the kingdom. Get some money into the things that God's doing. We're not fixing to take an offering. No, no. We've already taken the offering. We're trying to get some word into you that will help you understand that God has already made a provision. Remember this. I'll close with this. My time's up. What's the first thing Jesus preached? He came out of the wilderness. John's baptism anointed him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He went into the synagogue. The Bible says he stood up and to read as was his, went to the synagogue as was his custom, stood up for to read. There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He said, they turned to the place where it was written. I like to put it like this, written about him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel. To who? Who's the first group of people? The people that lost the dominion, the power, and the authority of what God gave him when Adam walked on the river with God and God said, this is gold, this is silver, this is diamonds, this is wealth, this is wealth, this is all yours. And when the God of this world took that, God said, one of the first things I will do is to restore what rightfully belongs to my creation and to my people. And we are his people. And we ought to expect the darker it gets financially, the better it gets for us. The more they go down, the more we go up. The more they empty out, the more God fills us up. And you've got to begin now. Don't wait till the light gets put out. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, we worship you. We glorify you. We exalt you, Lord. 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 Now don't say in your own heart and mind, no, things will continue. They'll find a way. They'll find a way to cause all things to stay as they are. And life will continue as it's always been. For if you say that, and if you think that, then you are deceived. But no, rise up in that which has even been taught and proclaimed today and recognize and realize that your loving Heavenly Father is not only wanting to impart to you that which is needed for your current need, but also to prepare you for that which is coming so that you will be able to rise up in the midst of it. And you will not have to go to and fro with the world and the world system seeking provision. Saying, oh, I have need and I have this and I have that and I must need this and that. No, for I will have a full provision for you.
a full supply of all that you'll need, all that you desire, and all that you want. For my blessing will not leave you just because the world system craters. Actually, as you obey me, it will increase in your midst and you shall be blessed beyond your imagination. So even this day, recognize and realize it's not just the man of God speaking to you, but it's the Spirit of God speaking into your hearts this day to say unto you, get ready, get ready, be prepared, for it won't be too many days, too many weeks, too many months, too many years, till things will cease as they are, and you will see a great change. But you will be ready, you will be prepared, and you will rise in glory in the midst of it. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Lift your hands up and thank God for that. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we, how many receive that? How many receive that? I receive that for myself. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now listen, listen, listen. We've always done this. We've always said this. We've always tried to maintain the highest level of integrity with money around here. We tell people, please don't give if you're mad. Don't give if you're afraid. Don't, 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 if you've been hurt at another church or this is, don't, wait till you have joy. Wait till you have peace. Wait till you have, wait till you have faith. Because the money issue is not an issue between you and Island Church, you and Pastor Russ. It's an issue between you and God. Settle it with Him. But here's something you must realize. God knows you need to pay your bills. God's not telling everybody to go out here and sell your house and sell your car and take all your money and just dump it into the church in fear of something that might happen in a few months, a few weeks, or a few years. That would be ridiculous. That would be fear. But you take what you have and you begin where you are. Years ago when Lee and I first got married, we believed God that, uh, that exponentially over the years, a certain salary that we would make in a certain year would be in a few years later, it'd be how much we'd be giving. Did you know we've had that happen to us at least three times since we've been married, that the salary we were making five and six years later was how much we were giving in that year. Did you know that's what God wants? Set a goal in your giving. Believe God to increase it. Now listen, you don't increase it. You don't increase it because you say, Lord, I'm going to increase. As soon as you send increase to me, then I'll increase my giving. That's not how it works. You sacrifice. Many times, Lee and I, we've thought a couple of times, we thought we're not going to have a Christmas. We thought we're not going to have, I mean, the Lord said, give all this money away. Give your offerings away. And we thought, well, okay, then we'll just, you know, we'll go get a donut for Christmas. Hallelujah. And we'll be happy to do it. If that's what the Lord demands of us, we sacrificed and sacrificed and sacrificed and sacrificed. And every time there was sacrifice, you know what came on the heels of it? Increase. Sacrifice brings increase. Sacrifice brings increase. Jesus sacrificed his life, and on the day of Pentecost, he got a 3,000-fold return. Pretty good for his investment. That's just the first payoff. And then after that, it was 5,000. Then it was thousands and thousands and thousands are in heaven right now because Jesus gave. And there's millions of us on earth today because Jesus gave. You say, why? Because it works. Give and it'll come back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Running over. That's the word that he gave to break the dominion and the power and the authority of the devil over the finances of God's people. So when you make a decision, target your giving. I do it all the time. Lord, I want to give. I, I stood up when we first began this building program. We're fixing to finish two years of being in this program. And I declared I'm going to be the first person to give $100,000. So I'm believing God with my offering that I give. In, at, at our Christmas banquet, it's going to bring me to $30,000 that I've given. $30,000 in two years. 
Now that's over and above my regular giving. So I've been able, actually I gave uh, uh, 15,000 that year, the first year, and I've been able to give about, uh, I think it's about 10,000 this year, so I'm believing God for 5,000. I've got 2,500, I've got 2,500 more to go. And I'm at 30,000. I'm, I'm not looking at, oh Lord, what, am I, what can I get? What can I, no, what can I give? What can I sow? I'm looking at this, I got 70,000 left. And when I give that 70000 I'm going to believe God that that 100000 is going to be my first seed to give a million dollars. The 100000 we gave last year as a church in, in giving, what were we doing? We're shaking our fist at the devil. Saying, you're not going to stop us. You're not going to say land's too high in Galveston. You're not going to say buildings are too high. We can't do it. We can't. No, no. We'll give $100,000 this year. People say, you should have kept that in your building program. Why? We wouldn't have a building program. But this year, we've already given close to 120. I'm believing God by the end of the year, we'll give 150. 50% increase. Next year, let's believe God to give $200,000 in missions and giving. Amen? See, that's the purpose. With all of our giving, what do we do? We give it to all these missionaries. Egan Falk does crusades. We paid for crusade $10,000 this year. All of our missionaries, Sister Redmond, all that they do, all of the orphans. See, that's purpose in our giving. That's God giving us what? A place. That's how it works. God wants to bless you. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Real quick, I'm way over. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.